Let's read together Ephesians chapter 5, which we'll refer to several times in the next... um, A lot of the verses, I did put them on there. Uh, We won't just for time's sake have the time to read all of them. Uh, We'll we'll see what we can do, but I am keeping an eye on my my clock here, so uh, we'll really trying to take that seriously. But they're there. So, but let's do read Ephesians five. Let's start with verse fifteen. Read to the end of the chapter. Okay, a very familiar passage. Um, We we know it. We've heard it. um, And I. Yeah, still, we we need to hear it again and um, open our hearts and learn something. So, Ephesians 5.15, Paul says to the Christians in Ephesus, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, cleansing having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There's another another Paul there quotes... Um, Genesis 1 and 2. This mystery is profound, profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That's, that's, it's a mystery. We, we really don't get it. Um, it is a mystery. It's profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Well, it, well, marriage is what he's talking about. It refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So let's uh, jump off here and talk a little bit about marriage um, marriage is both glorious and hard. We'll talk about uh, both. Um, and marriage is really not about marriage, as Emma said earlier. It's about Christ and the church. And we'll expand on that, okay? So there, we'll start our notes there. Marriage is hard. Okay? We all know that. And we'll talk about why here in a second. Uh, marriage is hard. The, a normal, healthy marriage goes through stages. Starts on a high goes down for a period of time, and then rebounds. This is a, that's normal, healthy, okay? Okay. Um, this, this PowerPoint, by the way, I, um, it's really funny. I, it's not mine, okay? I told you I didn't do any PowerPoints. That's true, I didn't. Uh, in preparation for this, I met a couple of uh, times, maybe three times, with uh, Pastor in Oklahoma City, Rock Bottomley. Who would ever name their kid Rock Bottomley? That's... <laughs> That's his name, though. His name's Rock Bottomley. Um, you don't backtalk him, though. He was a, uh, he was a fighter pilot. Uh, he's quite a guy. Um, loves the Lord. He taught uh, a marriage and family course at Focus on the Family Institute in Colorado Springs that uh, both of my older sons have attended. So they've both had Rock as a, and his wife, Bev, 
uh, friends of ours, actually friends of my dad. I, I don't know anybody. Everybody knows my parents, so I just know everybody by association. Uh, I, I saw a guy the other day, and he went, oh, I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan at a, a headmaster, a head of school conference two weeks ago, and a guy comes up, and he, I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan, okay? And, and he walks up, and he goes, I know your dad. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody knows my dad. So friends of my dad, Rock and Bev Bottomley, um, they, they teach a class on, in Christian marriage uh, there at Focus on the Family. And uh, so this, this is his notes. This is, this is Rock's. He gave me all of his notes and all of his PowerPoints. I, I, I'm using some. He was fantastic, very, very helpful to me. Um, <clears throat> he, he does a 12-week, two hours a night, which my son and daughter-in-law went to this past spring, uh, this on marriage. It's like 24 hours, and we're going to do it in five Okay, we're only going to scratch the surface, okay? So uh, Andrew had loaded this. He said, I enjoyed going through your PowerPoint. He said, I liked the sound effects. And I went, sound effects? <laughs> I'd, I'd only done it on my computer. I've done it. I've done, gone through it dozens of times. And I said, there's sound effects in it? He said, yeah. I said, well, good. So we ran through it. And I, I, there's sound effects in it. It's pretty cool. Um, but I didn't do it, okay? Stage one. Stage one is, is the honeymoon, okay? Uh, it is. I didn't do that, okay? I didn't do that. Uh, stage one is the honeymoon. It's both easy and, and happy. Okay? Yeah, thank you, Rock. Um, okay? We all know that. We all went through that, okay? It's that, what are um, women's expectations? You can go ahead and laugh if you want. Regular, intimate conversation. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Uh, financial security. Maintained house and car. Evenings, yeah. don't laugh too loud now. Come on. <clears throat> Evenings and weekends together, lonely no more. Okay, that's really not too far fetched, is it? Okay, um, <clears throat> what are uh, men's expectations? Regular, passionate sex, a sports hobby companion. <laughs> Janelle, you remember jogging with me a couple of times? Poor girl. She hates jogging, you know. I didn't know. I thought everybody likes to run. Uh, <clears throat> no, not everybody likes to run. Um, she did a couple of times with me, so <laughs> that was about it, though, okay? She's not my sports hobby companion. Uh, <clears throat> clean house and good meals. Two incomes and a firming follower. That's just what we expect. Isn't that what marriage is about? Okay? That's the honeymoon stage. And then stage two, okay, is disillusionment. <laughs> The first time I heard that was just a few minutes ago when uh, Andrew did that. That's pretty cool. Uh, harder and <laughs> uh, less happy, okay? Um, disenchanted wives. This is real, but it's kind of not, not funny anymore, okay? And this is that, that disillusionment stage, and, and we all go through this, okay? Um, so, he never talks to me. Wow, that is a problem, okay? That's very real. He's never home. He's so preoccupied. He's such a mess. That's what our daughter-in-law says about our son. He just, the world is Brant's closet. <laughs> it's just wherever he drops it. Uh, he's always late. He never calls, I'm so lonely. And that's just kind of sad, but that some of those things all of you ladies have, have thought or experienced, okay? Again, these are normal, healthy marriages, okay? Right, uh, disenchanted husband. She's never interested in sex. Um, she's so controlling. She's so critical and picky. 
She's never satisfied, always wants more. She's so emotionally unstable. She's so into her family. What do you want her to be into? That's... I'm not even going to ask what those conversations are. (laughs) Probably don't want to know. Now, this, this often leads to... This often leads to distressed thinking. And this is real, but it's so wrong. Because we get to that stage in our marriage, and then we, we start thinking things like, I made a mistake. No, you didn't. You're married. Okay? <laughs> I made a mistake. I'm, I'm missing out. No, all, all married couples miss out at times in their marriage. Okay? It's normal. All right? We'll talk about why. Time is running out. I'm, I'm trapped. That you start this, this panic. It's like, is this going to be like this the rest of our lives? Well, the answer is no. It's just that you don't know that yet. Okay? I'm, I'm out of here. See, this, this has some really devastating consequences if we don't know the truth. All right? And it's normal and healthy. And you're thinking, really? Yeah. Okay? But, but that's just stage two. Okay? Stage three, well, okay, let's stop. Let's stop talking about it. Why is this the case? What are some reasons for this this disenchantment and this, um, this, this distressed thinking. What, why do we have these unrealistic expectations and then we see what reality is and then we start thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world have I done? What, what's wrong here? Maybe we should do like the disciples and we just shouldn't get married. Right? That was their conclusion. Well, yeah, this is the case, just don't get married. Well, no, it's God's design. Okay? By and large, this is God's design for us to be married. Why does these things, do these things happen? I have three on here, but you could. Somebody? Okay. Disillusion. It's just um, we what we're not seeing reality. That's what an illusion is. Okay, we're seeing something that's not real. Okay. You got. Yeah, back to those unrealistic expectations. Okay, doesn't everybody just fall in love and stay in love? No. <laughs> It's not the case. We're both sinners and both in yeah, we're both sinners and we're both selfish. Okay, uh, have you read the book? Um, this is great. Uh, this is a great title for a book on marriage. What did you expect? <laughs> it's the title of the book. What did you expect? Okay, and it says "Redeeming the Realities of Marriage" by Paul Tripp. Paul Tripp and Ted Tripp are very, very good authors. Okay, uh, "Shepherding Your Child's Heart" is a great child rearing book. Oh, wow, there's another one they just came out with. Anyway, Paul and Ted Tripper, very good. Uh, what did you expect? The premise of this book is, what did you expect? She's a sinner, you're a sinner. Hello? Okay? So that's, that's, that's really the root of the problem, which we'll actually get to, okay? Uh, so there's, that's some of them. Uh, we're, human nature, that's our sin nature. Uh, life pressures. Ooh, life hits. Okay? You don't stay on your honeymoon. I mean, how long did you stay on your honeymoon? I mean, you know. It was a week for us. Some people are a month. I don't know how they do that. A couple months. That's crazy. Uh, then life happens, okay? It's pressures and reality. So then that's why this disillusionment comes, all right? But it's normal. Uh, we have to understand that and be ready for that. Uh, not just ready, be ready to bail out. By the way, why do people bail out at this stage? Because isn't life all about me? I, I mean, I, I don't have... Uh, there's no rules for me. Okay, I, I, I'm not being entertained in this relationship. What's her problem? 
Okay? See, it's, but you, so you can see with that mindset, that, that's, this, is, this is normal thinking in that messed up mindset. Okay? But that's, that's not God's mindset. Okay, then, uh, stage three is commitment. Um, it is richer and longer. Okay? But you have to go through that. And it may be years. Okay? Uh, and that's okay. Um, but again, it's not all misery during that. Don't hear me say that. It's just hard. I didn't say marriage was miserable. I didn't say marriage was unhappy. I didn't say marriage was unfulfilling or unrewarding. It's hard. Okay? But last time I checked, uh, playing football was hard. Uh, I'm a sports guy. Running a marathon was really hard. Yeah, but I loved it, and I'd do it again. I mean, so so what if it's hard? Marriage is hard, okay? It doesn't mean it's all those other things, unrewarding, unfulfilling, unhappy. No, 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 it doesn't have to be like that. But it's just going to be hard, okay? And then once you get through that, and Janelle and I are very much looking forward to getting through some of the hard years, although we have an 8-year-old. Uh, we'll be in wheelchairs by the time our kids graduate from high school. Uh, that, you know, it's like, wow, this is, this is really neat, okay? Um, we... Um, we really want to. We really want to be able to say this. We want to be old and be able to sit in the, the lawn chair on the back porch and just hold hands and say, "We are so glad we stuck it out." Okay, we're looking forward to that. Okay, and by God's grace, we'll be able to do that someday. All right, that's important. Um, so, what does the Bible say? Okay, marriage is hard. So we got to go through these quick, and they're they're all on your sheet. Uh, Song of Solomon one two. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful, delightful love. Okay. But it's hard. I opened my, uh, for my lover, but my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank. There's some sinking hearts in marriage at times. At his departure, I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. Why, why is that true? Okay? It goes back to what Janet said. Because we're sinners. Sin and marriage. Okay? Your desire, uh, God said in Genesis 3.16, will be for your husband. By the way, that, that doesn't mean, no time to go into it. It doesn't mean you'll want your husband. It means... You will want to rule over him, wife, okay? The husband is a leader, but you will want to usurp that leadership, okay? That's not, that desire there is not a good thing, okay? Um, yeah, that, it's the same word as used that sin was at the door and crept to take over you, okay? To, to dominate you. So your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. That, by the way, why, why is this the case? That, okay, we won't go into that. We'll go on. Um, the effects of sin, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, for, for, from within... Out of man's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice. It's a wonderful way to start a marriage. Deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from within and make a man unclean. And that's our hearts, okay, apart from Christ. And we, have, we bring all this into our marriage, okay? No wonder. What sins impact James 4? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Have you ever had a fight or a quarrel? What causes those fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? It's our sin that's struggling. You kill and covet, you quarrel and fight. James chapter 4 is a great chapter, okay? Galatians 5. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, that's us, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And then we don't... Well, I get ahead of myself. The point is is that marriage is hard, okay? Um, 
this goes back to the book, uh, What Did You Expect? <clears throat> Any two people who enter into marriage are spiritually broken by sin. Why should neurotic, selfish, immature people suddenly become angels when they fall in love? <laughs> Why should neurotic, selfish, immature people suddenly become angels when they fall in love? Well, they don't, but for some reason we think they're going to, okay? That's not the case. Um, Keller says in his book that uh, some people say, well, I, I must have married the wrong person. You heard that? I, I, so this is not working out like I thought. Well, I must have married the wrong person. That's their conclusion. Then what's their action step? If this is not the right person, then what will I do? Go find someone else, okay? And then, and then what do you do? You just drag your baggage around with you, except now you've got more, okay? So you go to the next and, ah, oh, okay? And then we, we, had, we just don't understand that we're up at that honeymoon stage again. And then it's like, well, doggone, I missed again, okay? See, that's, you never, Keller says you never marry the right person, okay? And if you do, they're going to change anyway. <laughs> it's really a great statement, okay? It's not about marrying the right person. Now, I would say, it depends on how you defer, term, uh, say right. I, 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 I see I've read too much. Uh, so I'll just go on. Um, how can marriage ever work? When you take me and Janelle, and, and, and if you knew either one of us, you'd think, I don't know how those two are going to make it, okay? But we are, okay? Um, how, though? How does that work? How can marriage work? Well, the secret of marriage is this. It is about, here's your blanks in your sheet. The secret of marriage is this. It is about Christ and the church. Your marriage is not about your marriage. Your marriage is about Christ and the church. And that's what Jesus, excuse me, Paul said in, in Ephesians. Um, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Uh, verse 25, husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church. See, we know this. We've heard this, okay? But we still think our marriage is our marriage, and there's Christ and the church. But no, our marriage is about Christ and the church. Okay, Jesus gave himself up for us. He willingly gave up his glory and took on human flesh and gave himself on the cross to forgive our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins, to remove our guilt and condemnation so that we could be united with him and take on his nature. Okay, um, we'll, we'll just read these verses real quick. I just can't skip these. Uh, Romans chapter 2, excuse me, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. Um, if I can find it. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likes of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's what Jesus did for us. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For we have been united with him in death, in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. He died for us. Okay? Um, I, I have skipped some. Second Peter 1 4, we won't read that one. Jesus died to his own interest and looked to our needs instead. We understand that, right? Jesus died for us. When God designed marriage in Genesis chapter 2, this was kind of a. I never had this thought before. And I read it and I thought, wow. When, when God designed marriage in Genesis chapter 2, which he did, he already had Christ in the church in mind. He already had a plan. 
he, he designed marriage, husband and wife, to show to the world the love that Christ has for the church, the relationship between Christ and the church. So he did that with Adam and Eve. It was like, yeah. when the church, when I establish the church, this is going to be a picture of that, and everybody's going to see it. Okay, It's Christ and the church. One of the great purposes of marriage is to picture the relationship between Christ and his church. So more blanks there. Are you following me there? Okay. One of the great purposes of marriage is to picture the relationship between Christ and his church. Let me read you just a couple things from John Piper. The ultimate thing we can say about marriage is that it exists for God's glory. That is, it, that's a great statement. Marriage doesn't exist for my happiness. Okay. The ultimate thing we can say about marriage is that it exists for God's glory. That is, it exists to display God. Now we see how. Marriage is patterned after Christ's covenant relationship to his redeemed people, the church. And therefore, the highest meaning and the most ultimate purpose of marriage is to put the covenant relationship of Christ and his church on display. That is why marriage exists. If you are married, that is why you are married. It's like, wait a second, that's not why I got married. I know, we don't understand it. (laughs) In God's eyes... He brought us to marriage so that he could point at us and go, look how he loves her. It's like, that's how Christ loves my church. Okay? Look how she submits to him, follows his lead. That's how the church follows their Lord Christ. Okay? That's what marriage is. Do you think like that? I wish I'd have heard this 25 years ago. Okay? I really do. These books weren't written 25 years ago. We, just, we didn't have a lot of the... Maybe they're there. I just didn't read them. These weren't there, okay? Um, I, we need to learn these things, okay? It's, it throws a whole different picture and view on the way we look at our marriage. It doesn't solve all our problems, okay? But it gives us the foundation from which to work through our problems. In other words, the covenant involved in leaving mother and father and holding fast to a spouse and becoming one flesh is a portrayal of the covenant between Christ and the church. Marriage exists ultimately to display the covenant-keeping love between Christ and his church. That, that, that phrase, covenant-keeping love, we'll come back to that. Uh, he talked to his wife, Noel. John Piper talked to his wife, Noel. said, is there anything that I should you know, reiterate when I'm uh, preaching on this subject? She said, John, you cannot say too often that marriage is a model of Christ in the church. You cannot say too often that, that marriage is a model of Christ in the church. We have to understand that. Why do we have to understand that? Because that's what God said it is. And we just live our marriages and just forget that. We just think it's about me and Janelle. It's not about me and Janelle. It's about Christ and the church. And I, I, I've got to learn to think like that. Okay? Um, let's see. Almost done. This is the secret of marriage. Okay? The gospel and marriage explain one another. The gospel and marriage explain one another. It, it all comes back to the gospel. You know? I keep reading and reading, and it just all goes back to the gospel. It's like, really? Yeah. It just all goes back to the gospel. Okay? This is the secret, that the gospel of Jesus and marriage explain one another. That when God invented marriage, he already had the saving work of Jesus in mind. Wow, that's good. Okay. <clears throat> okay. If you could just do this next statement, we, would all, we could all leave. Do for your spouse what God did for you in Jesus. Just do for your spouse what God did for you in Jesus. 
You just think about what good God did for you in Jesus. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and the rest will follow. <laughs> yeah, it would. So what do you need to make marriage work? Well, here, I, th- I think that's next. Okay, I'm going. Um, let's see. The power for marriage is the filling of the Holy Spirit. The power for marriage is the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, it's very interesting, that passage we read, that the discussion on marriage flows right out of a discussion on the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's, they're connected. Apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit, I cannot be the husband that God commands me to be. I, I don't know. It's not in me. That's why the Holy Spirit has to fill me, okay? Uh, which, again, is kind of another whole discussion. Um, the power for marriage is, is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, what do you need to make marriage work? You need to know the secret, the gospel, and how it gives you the power and pattern for your marriage. On the one hand, the experience of marriage will unveil, unveil the beauty and depths of the gospel to you. It will drive you further into reliance on it. On the other hand, a greater understanding of the gospel will help you experience deeper and deeper union with each other as the years go on. Did you hear that? As, we, as our marriage matures, we understand the gospel and we go, wow, God loves me. I had no idea he loved me like that. Okay? And then, as we understand the gospel more and more, I start loving my wife more. It's like, Jesus loved me like that? I can love my wife like that. Okay? The hard times of marriage drive us to experience more... Uh, getting down. The hard times of marriage... Uh, hear that? The hard times of marriage drive us to experience more of this transforming love of God. But a good marriage will also be a place where we experience more of this kind of transforming love at a human level. The gospel can... Fill our hearts with God's love so that you can handle it when your spouse fails to love you as he or she should. There have been times when I have not loved Janelle like I should. Then why didn't she leave me? Because the Holy Spirit's in her and she understands love and she can deal with that, okay? And vice versa. That frees us to see our spouse's sins and flaws to the bottom She's not perfect, I'm not perfect. And and we're not afraid to say that to each other. We know we're sinners. But we're okay with that. We can talk about that. We can speak of them. And yet we can still love and accept our spouse fully. I don't say, well, she's a sinner. It's like, why should I stay with her? (laughs) Wait, I'm a sinner too. Because of the gospel, okay? Christ has redeemed us. We have the love of Christ shed abroad in our hearts. We can do this as the Holy Spirit fills us. And when by the power of the gospel our spouse experiences the same kind of truthful yet committed love, it enables our spouse to show us that same kind of transforming love when the time comes for it. This is the great secret. Through the gospel we, can, we get both the power and the power, pattern for the journey of marriage. It really is all about the gospel. Okay? I know that sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? But it's true. Okay? I just need to learn to live like that. My problem is self-centeredness. Nobody likes saying that, okay? If I just weren't so selfish, this wouldn't be that hard. But last time I checked, I am, okay? And if Janelle wasn't so selfish, it'd be a lot easier, okay? We talk about this even a lot. We joke with each other. I told her she's going to have to share some things, and she just she did that right there. That's what she did. She just went, yeah, she won't do it, okay? Maybe she will before we finish, okay? Uh, she may divorce me before we finish, too. <laughs> Um, okay, we're, we, do I have those verses on your sheet there? Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
No, I don't. I... Okay, write down some verses, okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 5. I'm, I'm watching my time here. I, don't, I can't <clears throat> read all of them. 1 Corinthians 13. We know 1 Corinthians 13, okay? Love. I, I wrote down the phrase, I must love my spouse, okay? Gosh, I just, I, okay, I, I just can't skip them. I'm going to read it. Okay. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Um, Love does not insist on its own way. Man. Every time I insist on my own way, I'm not loving my wife. My problem is my self-centeredness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Um, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded that he has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, I don't like this next verse. That those who live might no longer live for themselves. Why not? <laughs> but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I'm, my life is not about me. Our marriage is not about us. My life is about him who died for me. Our marriage is about his love for the church. <clears throat> my self-centeredness is my problem. Okay? Uh, one more comment here from... Tim Keller. You won't need to read this book. I will have read it all to you by the time we finish. Um, it's a great statement, though. Okay? I don't know if it's on your notes or not. Um, if two spouses each, each is in italics, it has to be both. If two spouses each say, I'm going to treat my self-centeredness as the main problem in our marriage, you have the prospect for a truly great marriage. Think about that. Next time you point at your wife and say, and she's the problem, Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to treat my self-centeredness as the main problem in our marriage. If you will do that, then you have the prospect for a truly great marriage. It's not her fault. It's my fault. You say, well, yeah, but I... <laughs> don't go there. Okay? Now, she needs to say it's her fault, too. And we're getting much better at this. Okay? Uh, we just kind of go... And then we, we get mad at each other for apologizing to each other. <laughs> say, no, it's my fault. No, it's not. It's mine. <laughs> so we don't really have to argue. Um, we both are self-centered, okay? But we understand that, and it's like, okay, all right? We have the prospect for a truly great marriage. First uh, John 4, 15 to 19, and we are we're doing great. Y'all are doing great, thank you. First uh, John 4, first Peter, here, first there, John. First John 4, 15 through 19. Um, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So, we have come to know and to believe the love of God, the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in Him, abides in love, abides in God, and God abides in Him. By, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is therefore now no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love... Why? I love verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Why can I love Janelle? Because he first loved me. Okay? Why can she love me? Because he first loved her. And as long as that's true, we can love each other. That's the gospel. Okay? Take out the gospel. You know, I'm really not surprised how many people get divorces. I'm surprised how many people stay married. 
I mean, really. Especially lost people. Why would you stay married? It just doesn't make sense. Okay? Because you don't believe in God. You don't, you're self-centered. You, life is about me. Really, being married is just stupid if you're not saved. Oh, now, I, yeah, I, I know the stats on... It's, by the way, you know the, the primary way to build wealth? The number one thing you need to do to build wealth throughout your lifetime? Number one thing? Stay married. Stay married, okay? That's the number one thing you have to do to build a lifetime of wealth. That's a secular point of view, okay? That's just a stat, all right? Um, 60, this is an interesting stat that Keller says. 62% of all people who are married... Okay, they did a longitudinal study. Um, I think it's folks in the family did it. Sixty-two percent of all people that are currently married, okay, are happy in their marriage. Okay, now it's like, well, okay, wait a second. The unhappy people got divorced. Yeah, I know it's a little problem with the stats, perhaps, but but people who are married, sixty-two percent of them are happy. They just they just you married? Yeah, happy? Yeah, okay, sixty-two percent. Okay, now the other thirty-eight percent. It's very interesting. They did a longitudinal study that of the other thirty-eight percent. In five years, okay, if they just stayed married five years, two-thirds of those were, uh, reported being very happy in marriage. Did you hear that? 62% say I'm happy. 38% say I'm not. Of the 38% that said I'm not, those that remained married more than five years, okay, they then reported that they were very happy in marriage. So what did they not do? They didn't bail out when they were unhappy. They went through the disillusionment stage and they came out on the other end richer and, and happier, more fulfilled. Well, yeah, but we just we bail out in the hard times, okay? So there are some good reasons to stay married, but again, to my, my mind, it just doesn't make sense. Why? It's like, that's just dumb. Just go from woman to woman or man to man, you know? And you're going to die and go to hell anyway, so... It's just... You know, it's kind of crass, but I just... But if it, it's the gospel is the basis for our marriage. Okay? You take out the gospel, and I don't know what basis you have. Okay, It's not going to work. Another statement from John Piper, and we're, we're almost done. Okay, um, it, This one's on your page. It was too good to not. It's the next to the last statement. Let the measure of God's grace to you in the cross of Christ... Be the measure of your grace to your spouse. It's like, huh? <laughs> Let the measure of God's grace to you in the cross of Christ. Which, by the way, to really understand that or to grow in your understanding of that, you have to understand two things. Number one, how bad of a sinner you are. You say, well, I'm not a very bad sinner. Okay, you just don't get it. All right? We're, 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 we said this in a way. We're haters of God. We're rebellious, we're, we're hateful, we're selfish, we're anti-God, okay? It's like, well, no, no, not me. Okay, that just says you don't know yourself, okay? Read Romans chapter 3. We are all sinners. The poison of asps in our tongue, we're rotten, we're full of dead men's bones, we're whitewashed sepulchers, okay? We're really bad. But it's like, well, no, but I'm a really good person. No, no, we're not, okay? So you take me, that's that rotten, dirty sinner bound for hell, and Jesus, who is sinless God, who gave up his position in heaven and came down to this filthy earth to die for me, the filthy sinner. And now, okay, so now, let the measure of God's grace to you in the cross of Christ be the measure of your grace to your spouse. 
Wow, Janelle would really like it if I did that all the time, okay? But isn't that our measure? Okay, that's, that's what we need to grow in. Pray that God will give us the love of Christ for our spouse, okay? The secret of marriage, I'll end where I started. The secret of marriage is that it's not about my marriage. See, some of you are ready to bail right now. It's like, I thought we were going to talk about marriage. Well, sort of, <laughs> but marriage is not about marriage. Okay, uh, marriage is about Christ and the church. Okay, marriage is about the gospel, and the power for my marriage is the gospel. So, so when I, as we grow, and that's why we learn and read and sit under the teaching and preaching of God's word, and we're fellowship and are discipled and read our Bibles in the morning and pray and memorize Scripture. Why do you do all that? Because I'm growing in my understanding of what God has done for me, and when I grow in my understanding of what God has done for me. It just starts coming out of me, okay? And I start living my life as Christ lived, to serve others and primarily my wife, okay? And, and I'm not perfect. For goodness sakes, none of us ever are. But, but aren't I a better husband than I was 20 years ago? You, you have to say yes to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no comparison. It's amazing she's put up with me, okay? Uh, man, I've got a long way to go, though. So what am I doing? I'm still in church. I'm still listening to good Bible teaching and preaching, and I still read books, and I still remember my scripture, and I still read my Bible, and I still pray, and I have a long way to grow, okay? But as I do that, my marriage is going to keep flourishing. But see, I don't, I don't really work on my marriage. It's probably not quite true, okay? It's really not a primary focus of mine. The primary focus of mine is growing my relationship with the Lord, and then it just kind of spills over in my marriage, okay? And I'm not saying you shouldn't. You should read books about marriage, okay? You should read books about child-rearing. You know? but, but, but that's it's really about my relationship with the Lord and my understanding of the gospel, and that just affects everything, okay? And that's what we're saying. The secret of marriage is that it's not about marriage. It's about the gospel. And the power for my, my marriage is the gospel. Thank God for the good news that Jesus Christ died for my sins. Okay? Apart from that, I'm sunk. I am sunk. Okay? So, uh, tomorrow we'll come back. And uh, where, we, where we started off, we will uh, pick it up tomorrow uh, with... Uh, we've talked about the secret of marriage, and then we'll talk about what is marriage. That's a great look. That's, that's just really exciting. The mission of marriage. What, what is marriage for? Okay? Part of it is to picture Christ in the church, but there's more to it than that. Okay? What are the roles of marriage? What about this headship submission deal? And some of you kind of bristle when you hear the word submission. Submit to my husband? Like, you're not with it, Josh. I mean, that, that's old stuff. No, it's not. It's Bible stuff, okay? We need to understand that. Uh, so we'll talk about that, and then we'll kind of end with a fun session on the otherness of marriage, what does my spouse need, and how to give it to him or her. Uh, so we'll, we'll cram all those in tomorrow morning. So uh, before we pray together... Or are you going to close up after I pray or with announcements tomorrow morning, schedule, etc.? What do you want to do, Andrew? Yeah, go ahead and pray. And I'll, I'll okay. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this evening and thank you for uh, allowing us to be here. Lord, we pray that you would do what we've been talking about, that we would uh, understand, we would grow in our understanding and our appreciation for the, the good news that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to pay the penalty for our sin, to forgive us, to redeem us, to bring us into fellowship with you, not just for this lifetime, but for eternity. Lord, we know all those words. We don't really understand all that. Uh, but Lord, we pray that you would grow us in understanding and that that growth in our relationship with you and our love for you and the, our understanding of the gospel would just, just flow out of us in every relationship, every sphere of influence, every 
place of, of impact that we find ourselves in by your grace, that it would just flow out of us. And Lord, we, we know we can't do that. We, that's beyond us. Uh, so we pray for the filling of your Holy Spirit, uh, that we might uh, bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that, that glory might be uh, given to you and good might be done to those around us out of your love and your goodness. Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Pray that you go with us and bring us back tomorrow. Allow us to continue to hear and learn and grow as you see fit. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.